Welcome to the Wellness Hustle Podcast. I'm Kirsty Taylor, your host, a writer, a storyteller, and a wanderer of life. I struggled so much in the past, and it wasn't until I started to focus on myself that I saw true change and really started living my life. This podcast is aimed to help you realize that this whole work hard, play hard mantra bullshit has not been cutting it. We need to focus on what truly matters. Think of this podcast as a tool for finally hustling for yourself. So let's shift our focus from the external to the internal, because in the end, you deserve it. Hey guys, welcome to another week of the Wellness Hustle podcast. So I may sound a little bit congested, I just got over a cold. But I am here to tell you the overall best way to get over a cold because for whatever reason, I am able to make these things only last three days. The first two days, I'm down and out. The last day, I'm kind of okay. So here are the big main tips if you want to get over a cold. One, sleep. Give your body as much sleep as it needs. Two, drink so much water that you're constantly peeing. Three, what was the third one? Oh, limit the amount of sugar you eat. Well, sugar and dairy. I don't know if that one really works. That's what I do. That's what I tend to stick towards. So limit the sugar and dairy, drink a ton of water, and get as much sleep as your body needs. Yeah, I get that from my mom. She's always like, drink so much water and sleep. But honestly, it's the best. And these colds only last me like three days when I get them much better than a week or whatever. So I'm so excited to be back, guys, of another episode of The Wellness Hustle. This week, I got to talk to an awesome dude named Caleb Campbell. His whole story, wow, this entire episode just blew my mind. Everything he said, everything he dove into, it really, it really opened my mind. Yeah, it was just all new stuff for me to learn. And like I say in the podcast episode, like, I am learning with you guys. These people that I bring on are people that I just want to talk to in general as well. And I'm just constantly learning from them. And I'm so grateful because these people shed some very sage needed advice. Yeah. One thing I want to talk about real quick before I get into this week's interview is the book that I'm reading this week. I feel like this is maybe going to be something that I bring up at the beginning of my podcast because I love books. I would not have anything to say to you all like I do if I didn't read or if I didn't consume information, which is like podcasts and TED Talks and whatnot. But reading is a big thing in my life, mostly Audible books because I somehow got wrangled into an Audible subscription. And it's like, if you cancel your subscription, you'll lose all of your all of your credits. So yeah, I'm kind of just stuck with that. But it's nice because I've been taking morning walks and I listen to Audible books, so it's cool. But I started to read the book called Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. I hope I said that right. And the second chapter, which yes, (laughs) the second chapter blew my mind. So, so far this book is uh, pretty good, guys. But he just talked about how what really exists in our lives. So, it's this idea that the things that exist are, you know, animals, trees, a river, tangible things. But then there's other things in society that aren't real. They're just kind of a figment of our imagination, like companies and laws and states and sovereignty. 
And they're all fiction. They're things we made up and millions choose to believe. And they're things that make our species the one that survived today. We're able to bring together millions of people for a common good or a common purpose. And I was kind of thinking, I was laying on the beach in Manhattan Beach, and I was just thinking that this idea that they're all fiction, what other things in our lives that we choose to believe and don't really question are kind of just fiction and kind of just made up things. And so the idea of just different ideas of how we're told to live life came to mind. For example, we're told we need to go to college in order to be successful, even though probably the most successful people in our country, like Bill Gates, didn't go to college. So there's one story that we're told that maybe doesn't serve us anymore. The other is this idea of the hustle. So the whole reason I created this podcast, people hustling for fame, success, this and that, all hedonic, which is the idea of pursuing something for external means like success, fame, yada, yada. The idea that that is what's important to us and that's what our goals should be rather than eudaimonic, which is the opposite of hedonic, which is like our purpose and our passion, pursuing happiness and pursuing goals because we have purpose and passion behind them. So basically it just boils down to this idea that we need to be like working hard, working hard, working hard, but do we really? And is that good for our health long-term? Because statistics show that people that pursue eudaimonic passion, purpose, filled goals or center goals have healthier and happier lives than those who are pursuing like money, fame, success, all of that. There's literally statistics that show that those people are actually more unhealthy and more unhappy even when they obtain the success, the money, the fame. So yeah guys, that came up while I was sitting on the beach today and I wanted you to just consider it because again, it's kind of what this whole podcast is about really just questioning things and kind of turning the whole effort for external happiness, turning it in and living a purposeful, authentic life that makes us truly happy. Alrighty, guys. So let me talk about the guests for this week. I had on Caleb Campbell. He is a West Point graduate, a former army officer, and an NFL draft pick. After joining the NFL, which was always his childhood dream, he started to self-destruct and ultimately walked away from the NFL and moved to Canada. So yeah, you're thinking, why Canada? Well, he moved there to meet this pastor that he found on Twitter, literally Twitter. You'll hear more about that, but he moved to meet this pastor and started this seven-year self-discovery transformation that consisted of healing his emotional trauma. And so now he spends the time traveling the country, speaking at schools, conferences, churches, and coaching clients as well through the same process that led him to his own personal freedom. He was just such a pleasure to talk to. He was filled with such good advice and just blew my mind, guys. Blew my mind. Let's get into it. Enjoy. Well, thank you for coming on. I'm here with Caleb, guys. And so, yeah. Thank you for coming. Thanks um, for having so, me. Of course, of course. So can you give me a little, well, everyone, a little background of what you do and how you got into the work that you do? 
Yeah. So right now, a large part of my time is actually focused on writing my first book. But outside of that, I travel the country a lot and I'm in and out of a lot of schools, uh, conferences, some churches, and I do a lot of public speaking. And in addition to that, I have a handful of one-on-one clients that I work with closely. I don't like to have a lot of one-on-one clients uh, just because I like to give them a lot of my time uh, and attention. So that's basically how I divide up my time is between public speaking, writing my book, and coaching clients. Okay. And so like, what are the subjects that you touch on? So I really help people walk down the process. Um, I call it undressing the soul. Um, So really, it's really just learning how to reconnect to the... You can call it your higher self. You can call it God within you. You can call it your truth. Uh, you can call it your intuition. But really learning how to reconnect to that inner compass, that inner voice that for so many of us has been its been drowned out. It's been silenced through unresolved disappointments. It's been silenced through uh, trauma that we have not yet healed. It's been silenced through the shame that we carry, the guilt that we carry, the emotions that we continually repress. So it's really this healing process of learning how to undress the layers of the soul or peel back the layers of your soul so that you can get back connected to the source, to the truth, and begin to live the life that you deeply want to live. And so it's really just working people through a lot of emotional trauma, helping people learn to really contextualize, you know, some of the words that are thrown around on social on social media, like what does it actually look like to lean into vulnerability? What does it actually right. look like when you wake up today to actually let go so that you can begin to create the space for what's coming into your life? What does it look like to work through forgiveness? Like mm-hmm. we hear these things all the time, but now what does it actually look like? So I just kind of help people walk down that process, get reconnected, and then get moving with life. Very cool. And so I assume you didn't just wake up having this like profoundly <laughs> profound. No. Like, what was your journey like getting into getting into this field? Yeah, absolutely. Um, for me personally, I've you know ever since I was a young kid, I've always known that there was more. You know, mm-hmm. I've always known that like I wanted to do something big with my life, but I just deep down knew that there was so much that this life has to offer. And yeah. for me personally, I thought that came as the result of really just accomplishing my dreams. Mm-hmm. And for me, when I was a young kid, I had the dream of, you know, getting a college scholarship and also the pipe dream every young football boy from, you know, from the great state of Texas has, and that's playing in the NFL. Right. Um, and so I actually, you know, through a very roundabout way, graduated college and got drafted uh, in 2008. And I fulfilled the childhood dream of playing in the NFL. But when I got to the NFL, that's when I began to really self-destruct. That's when my life turned completely upside down. Um, I'm in the middle of my childhood dream. Everybody's watching, everybody's supporting and loving and cheering me on. And I am more than ever before, just paralyzed with fear. I am drowning under a sea of shame every single day. The anxiousness and the depression is literally destroying my life. And I just began to self-destruct. I didn't know how to handle that. Mm -hmm. And so I just found every way to cope. And in the process of coping, I ended up getting cut. Um, You know, I bounced around to three NFL teams. And I remember waking up at the end of my career and just kind of saying to myself, I woke up after a party. And I think I had this very I was brazenly aware that if something didn't change and change soon, like this wasn't just football, this was my life. Right. 
my right. life is going to be over. And mm-hmm. I knew deep down that there had to be more to life. And my entire pursuit of the NFL was trying to get to this pinnacle of success so that I could find what I was really looking for. And mm-hmm. what I was really looking for was just this very, I wanted connection. I wanted acceptance. I wanted love. It's what we're all looking for. And that's when I realized that something had gone terribly awry in my life. And I actually went from playing in the NFL to moving to Canada, where I slept on the floor of a basement boiler room of a pastor's home, where I became the janitor of a church for almost seven years so that I could be mentored by this man. And that was the first time that I began to personally peel back all the layers and undress my own soul and get to the root of my issues, get realigned with my truth, and then go from there. Wow. That is a lot. That is an interesting, (laughs) interesting life path. But wow, I mean, like, to be that young and to kind of realize that life is that you're depressed, like even just realizing you're depressed at that young, some people just think they're supposed to just suppress those emotions, being able to kind of wake up and be like, all right, this is there's more to life than this. That's, that's pretty impressive. A lot of people just live it and don't even realize it's going on. Yeah, definitely. And I think getting to the NFL helped a lot in terms of mm-hmm. realizing that I was not going to be able to accomplish anything in my life that was going to take the place of me discovering in myself what I needed to discover. Right. Uh, and I didn't have the words for that, though, at first. I was just like, yeah. my life is a mess and okay. I really need to change something. And I don't know what to change. I just know that another level of success or another accomplishment Mm -hmm. isn't going to change anything. Right, right. And I was very aware of that. Yeah, it's like seeking the external, like Mm -hmm. more success and this and that. And you're like, oh, and then the NFL, it's clearly not the answer. Definitely. I'm so curious. How did you find the pastor in Canada? (laughs) I was in my aunt's basement in Denver, Colorado on my third bottle of wine. (laughs) and I was scrolling Twitter and somebody tweeted something um, that led me down this kind of rabbit hole of tweets. And I Mm -hmm. came to this church and it's like a small non-denominational charismatic church. And I grew up in the church. I grew up in a charismatic movement um, in the panhandle of Texas. I grew up in the Bible though. And um, I just found, and they, for the first time they were putting words to what I was feeling, but did not have the words to, and it was just this resonance. I resonated so deeply with them. Um, I was still playing in the NFL when I flew out there by myself, didn't know anybody and just sat at the back of the church and just listened to a service. Um, And I just listened and people introduced themselves to me. And then I left as fast as I came. And then I went back one more time and I was like, oh my God, this is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. You said something that was so, um, that is such a good point. You said that they were putting words to feelings mm-hmm. you were having that you didn't know how to express. I feel like that's such, that's probably why you're so successful at what you do and uh, other people that talk about their past struggles and stuff. A lot of people just don't have the words to describe how they're feeling. And I feel like that like really resonates with people. It's a good point. Yeah, I think as coaches or as teachers or you know, life in general is learning how to really own your story, mm-hmm. you know, and when can, yeah. you can own your story, you can begin to put to words kind of what you've been through and the victories and the, you know, the valleys of despairs and the mountains of um, victory. And the yeah. And so when you can do that, like, that's how you'll never play in the NFL. <laughs> you'll <Yeah>. never <laughs> bobsled for the USA Olympic team. You'll never do the things that I've done in my life. 
However, whenever I can put the words the way that I felt through that process, suddenly me and you connect. Exactly. Because you've had your own moments of vulnerability and your own moments of despair and your own moments of brokenness. And that's where we actually connect as human beings. Unfortunately, that only comes as a result of allowing yourself to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and allowing yourself to be seen for who you really are. And a lot of us are very apprehensive to allowing that because it's scary. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any good recommendations for people trying to bring more vulnerability into their life? Yeah, I think it's really just beginning to sit down and just simply acknowledge that vulnerability is not weakness or simply acknowledge that maybe the way that you see vulnerability is wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times we can have the perspective that vulnerability really puts us at risk of being exposed and seen as weak. Mm-hmm. Right. But in reality, vulnerability is your greatest asset in life. Right. right. So if you can just really kind of change the way that you look at vulnerability and then also practice vulnerability, ask yourself, what really is this, what in my life makes me vulnerable? Like for me, I'll be honest with you, like right now where I'm at in my business, I, I spend a lot of time writing, but mm-hmm. I don't necessarily spend a lot of time holding my phone, putting my face, my big forehead for the world to see via Instagram or Facebook Live. Right. That's really vulnerable for me. Because mm-hmm. I do better with writing and sometimes I'll trip up over my words and I sound like an idiot and I'm like, God, people are going to think I'm stupid. I'm risking my business. That's the narrative, right? Right. But for me now leaning into vulnerability is making it a point every single day to stare into my phone and go live on Instagram or on my stories or on Facebook. Right. And that's just slowly leaning into vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a direct correlation between allowing yourself to be vulnerable and knowing who you are. Mm-hmm. So if you're scared of being okay. vulnerable, I would encourage you, do you actually really know who you are? Right. Because when you know who you are, you have nothing to prove. When you mm-hmm. know who you are, you don't care what other people think about you. When you know who you are, you're willing and risk, willing to risk being seen for who you really are. Right. When you know who you are and you accept who you are. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's beautiful. So you mentioned that people need to work for through their their past traumas and everything. How do you think your past traumas affected your life in maybe ways that you didn't realize and that you had to work through? Yeah, so I think trauma, what happens in and when we say trauma, I think that's such a buzzword right now. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't mean it's easy to be like, well, I wasn't sexually abused as a child. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, you know, these horrific acts, these horrific things that people have to go through. It's easy to be like, that's trauma. Right. And I didn't experience of that. So I don't have any trauma. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, whenever you, you know, you were a young girl and your mother, you're six years old and your mother was 15 minutes late to picking you up and you watched all of your friends leave with their parents and maybe a friend even laughed at you or you experienced the moment where the person that you were supposed to rely on the most in your life abandoned you, mm-hmm. even if it was for 15 minutes. That in that moment can create a very emotional, traumatic experience where you right. create this narrative that the people closest to me abandon me. When mm-hmm. I rely on the people closest to me, they never show up. Now, if that narrative doesn't shift at some point in time in your life, let me know how your future relationships are going to work out. Right, exactly. You, right. And so I think we can, for me personally, there were so many things that happened to me in my life that those traumatic moments creates, create narratives. Mm-hmm. The way that our brain works, we have to contextualize things and we create these narratives. And these narratives are now 
created in order to protect us Mm -hmm. from that traumatic experience ever happening again. The problem with narratives that protect us are the same narratives that imprison us. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. So what happens is, is whenever we get to these different certain points in our lives and Mm -hmm. we're trying to level up, we're trying to break free and get to the next level of life and we're trying to expand our lives, but we're feeling stuck. Mm -hmm. It's because of the narratives that we are telling ourselves that are shaped by our past traumatic experiences. And so the reason why inner healing, the reason why undressing your soul or peeling back the layers is so incredibly important is because those narratives have created toxic beliefs Mm -hmm. about yourself and about life that just aren't true. And they've also created what we call survival patterns. Survival patterns are designed to keep you safe in life. They're good. They kept you safe safe up until this point, but they no longer serve you. Mm -hmm. They no longer are going to help you or they're no longer conducive into you stepping into the life that you want. And so the healing aspect of life and why it's so critical is because the leveling up isn't going to come from more hustling, more grinding, more this, this, and this that the world really harps on, especially in the Western world and society in America. Leveling up in life is going to come by going back to all the reasons why you're stuck in the first place. Mm -hmm. And that's where the trauma comes in. So how do you think someone can uncover those ways that they're being held back? Yeah, I think uh, first and foremost, like kind of the naked soul process that I, you know, kind of harp on. It takes first a radical responsibility. I I think that is that is the best advice ever. The first step is you really just have to take responsibility that it's you that's going to make the change. You that are going to make the change. And I remember when my mentor told me, he said, Caleb, and I was like in this moment where I'm so, God, I'm so frustrated in life. I'm so angry. I'm doing yeah. everything I can to get unstuck and nothing is happening. Nothing is changing. And I remember my mentor looking at me and says, Caleb, you are exactly where you want to be. And yeah. I was like, what? Like, I don't want to be here. Like, mm-hmm. I'm so mad at this place that I'm at. What are you talking about? This is where I want. And he was right. He was definitely right. I was exactly where I wanted to be. The problem was... I just had not yet taken full responsibility of where I was at in life. I was still pointing the finger. I was still placing the blame. I was still doing and complaining. I was still, you know, speaking every reason why my life isn't where I want it to be. And that just proves that you have not yet taken that responsibility. And there is a lot of times you see people with a, who have a, um, the refusal to take responsibility of their life. They still entertain a victim mindset. Mm-hmm. You will not step out of that place until you're willing to actually own where you're at and realize you are exactly where you want to be. Right, right. I feel like that comes so much into play. Like you can say, oh, my ex-boyfriend made me this way or my parents. I think the parents is probably the biggest part. Mm-hmm. My parents made me this way. And okay, if that's the truth, that's what it is. But it's what are you going to do about it? Yeah, at what point that- that you're going you're gonna to move past it. Absolutely. There's a, I think it was a very popular Instagram quote that went around just recently. And it, it says something along the lines of, you're not responsible for what happened to you, but you're definitely responsible for how you're going to respond to it. Yes, yes, exactly. And, and exactly. that's true. So this is this radical responsibility and radical accountability mm-hmm. um, of just owning, owning. This is on you. This is on you. Your life is the way that your life is because of you. And that does not mean that I'm going to undermine what has happened to you in your life. I am so terribly sorry for the pain that you've had to go through. I'm so terribly sorry for the things that have happened to you. 
I am so, so sorry. But until you can get to this point where you're willing to accept and own that this happened to you, but it does not have to define you for another day in your life, only then can we actually move on from there. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I know that you have your whole process of how people can work through these and everything. But once someone has taken the responsibility that, okay, I want to make a change, what would you say is like a good way to do that? At least just one way. Yeah. I think first and foremost is the most apparent way. And that's finding somebody that can help you through the process. Right. You like, it's another popular saying out there right now. It's kind of like relationships are where you're wounded, but relationships are also where you are healed. And there's a reason for that. And it's because your blind spots in life that are keeping you stuck in life are blind spots for a reason. You can't see them. And mm-hmm. so a lot of time, because your central nervous system, your 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 bot, your ego, physiologically speaking, is trying to make sure that you can't see your blind spots because they're designed to keep you safe. Right. The moment you acknowledge your blind spots, the moment you step into vulnerability again, the moment your central nervous system actually starts sending up these signals and flares saying, oh, my God, you're putting yourself in a very risky position here. You're going to get hurt again all over again. Mm-hmm. So your design, your action, we're geniuses. We're very, very uh, resilient people, and mm-hmm. so we, the way that our, we're, we're designed is to protect us from being hurt and, and to protect us from experiencing past trauma. So right. the best way and the best thing you can do is actually find somebody that can help you see those blind spots, mm-hmm. that can have this bird's eye perspective and look at you and say, "Hey, I just want to encourage you to maybe look at this pattern." Or where does this thought process actually come from? Or why do you believe that? And that belief is governing so so much of the way that you experience life. But is that actually true? Or is that something you've been taught to believe is true? So I think first and foremost, I say all of that to say, find somebody that you resonate with. And I will say in addition, don't just find anybody. There's a lot of coaches out there. There's a lot of, you know, I found a guy on Twitter, (laughs) Canada. and. The biggest thing is, is if this person that you're going to look to for help has not yet lived, lived their solution, mm-hmm. they are not, they are not qualified to speak into your life. Right. I don't care if they have the latest Tony Robbins book memorized. I don't care if they have the greatest podcast in the world. If they have not lived their life, their, 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 their uh, solution, they're not qualified to uh, speak into your life. And I would just encourage anybody that's needing somebody to come into their life to wake up every day. And whether you believe in God or you believe in the universe, or you believe in the higher self, just center yourself, get quiet for 60 seconds and just say, universe, God, whatever. I open up my heart for you to bring in who you need to bring into my life to help me get from the place that I am at mm-hmm. and just receive that and then go from there every single day. If that becomes your new mantra. That becomes the first thing that you say when you wake up. Right. Right. Yeah. I've said so many good points there, but the last thing, yeah. When I just kind of let go to the universe and I'm like, Hey, I, I need, I want this to come into my life. It tends to, it's just yeah. like, see how that works and everything. But another thing that you said is that, yeah, there's so many coaches out there. Like the new the new thing is to be like a coach, this and that. Oh, and it's like and what you said is that people sometimes aren't as um experienced or living what they're teaching. And that's such a good point to take into account because it is kind of a scary world out there with like social media and everything. Like people are 
looking to get into this coaching business when they're not necessarily like, I don't know if qualified is the word, but maybe qualified. Yeah. Um, or just aren't living what they're teaching. And that's a really good point to be like aware of if you're choosing to go down the route of a coach. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd agree more. Yeah. And then therapy is great too. I'm, therapy I'm, is so, so great. Please. I have a therapist. Therapy is so, yeah. so great. I think, um, I mean, the difference of therapy is just like one helps you kind of realize like the deep rooted things and then a coach helps you set goals and, and both and both. Like, they yeah. Just, so they're like trauma. Like, so what I do is I do trauma coaching. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I look at your behaviors and we find the behaviors that are not actually conducive to you stepping into this new season of life or where you want to be. And then we get to the root of why those behaviors are present in your life. Mm-hmm. Right. And that goes back to when you were five years old and your mother abandoned you for 15 yeah. That created a pattern. Mm-hmm. And until you disrupt the pattern by changing the emotional state of that inner child, of that six year old young girl, right. life is going to continue to be on repeat. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. So I have a topic that I am so excited to talk about because I've never talked about it before. And from a male perspective, it's something that I've never really gotten into or that I have any experience with. So I want to talk about toxic masculinity. It's kind of, I feel like that's also kind of like a buzzword nowadays. <laughs> I was going to say that right yeah. now. But whatever, it's a thing. So, yeah, I guess the first thing is what is toxic masculinity? Can you just explain it a little bit for people? Yeah, I think there's so many like uh, very, I don't know, Webster dictionary definitions of yeah. toxic masculinity. But at the end of the day, it's just a very narrow in repressed description of what manhood was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And I keep it really simple. Show me someone with very toxic masculine behaviors, and I'll just show you a man that doesn't know who he is. Okay. We won't elaborate on that. Meaning hurt people hurt people. Yeah. Right? And so when you have to demonstrate toxic masculine behaviors, whether it's rage or um, you're objectifying women or it's your, your masculinity is defined by violence and sex and status and aggression, um, the only reason why it's defined by that is because you don't actually know who you are and who you are is rooted in love. Right. So when you actually can work through your pain, so much of your personality is rooted in pain until you actually go uproot your personality and uproot your identity that's rooted in that pain and rooted in love. And that's the, that is healing. That's the process of undressing your soul. That's the process of doing your inner trauma work. Mm -hmm. And so whenever you don't realize that you're rooted in love, that physiologically, scientifically proven, our DNA is wired for love. Mm-hmm. It's wired for love. That's where yeah. we are the most connected. That's where we are the most happy. That's where we find everything that we're looking for. But when we don't know that, when we've been wounded and that wounding and that pain defines who we are as a man or as a woman, we live out of that place of pain and hurt people hurt people. Right. So I think, I think that's what I mean is like that toxic masculinity is just really defining your manhood by violence, sex, aggression, and status. Mm -hmm. Um, That comes at the expense of a lot of other people, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And the only reason why you do that is because you don't actually know who you are. Because if you actually knew who you are, the power that you hold, if you actually knew the the destiny that is waiting for you or the potential that you have to create a lasting legacy and change in this universe, on this planet, you would never act the way that you're acting. Yeah. 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 So do you think... 
a lot of men are just unaware that this is occurring in their life because of what happened in their past? Yeah, I think I think it's a few different things, probably. I think a lot of men are unaware because everything they do is driven by their subconscious. Mm-hmm. And that's rooted in so much pain. I think they don't even know that what they're doing is toxic. They mm-hmm. don't even know because it, it's the only thing that you know. Right. right. It's the only way that you were grown, that you were raised. Like, you know, your father's father, your great grandfather, this has been being passed down from generation after generation after generation. And it's landed in your lap. And all you're going to do is continue to pass down the pain because at the end of the day, pain that is not transformed is always transferred. And so what happens is I think a, they don't know who the, that they're being toxic. B, they know that what they're doing is toxic. They know what they're doing is wrong, but they're too stubborn or afraid to admit it because that requires a level of vulnerability and mm-hmm. a lot of traditional masculinity and the way that it sees vulnerability is weak and flawed. Right. So you won't allow yourself to even accept that what you're doing is toxic. And then the third is you are very, you have toxic behaviors. Um, you know, you want change, but you just do not know what that looks like. Mm-hmm. So yeah. There is a progression that happens. So as a guy, with all the guys that you've worked with and stuff, how does it feel kind of owning up to that? Because I know that a lot of men are like, well, everyone does it. Like, it's not just me. And like, fair enough. But at the same time, it's going to take an individual, each individual to like kind of decide to change that for themselves to, like you said, not pass it down generation to generation. So how does it, how did it feel when you decided to take control of those patterns that you had? Um. It was empowering when I realized that this was on me because I felt like it was really empowering, actually, because I felt like, wait, I'm not a victim to my environment. I'm not a victim to my fat. I'm not a victim anymore. Like, I can assume responsibility of this, which means I have to eat a big piece of humble pie, obviously. But when I was able to do that, I was also able to say, oh, my God, I have now have the power to change this. Mm Mm-hmm. At some point in time, you're going to have to ask yourself, like, how's your behavior really working out for you? Mm-hmm. Like, how are you enjoying those very stifled relationships? How are you enjoying going in one relationship and always getting broken up with? How are you enjoying not seeing pay increases in your life? Or be honest with you, when your head hits the pillow at night or when it wakes up in the morning, are you actually fulfilled? Are you actually happy? And you're going to have to get incredibly honest with yourself. Right. and. I think there has to come this reckoning, this moment where you just realize that, hey, I'm not happy and I need to do something for my current way of seeing, living and portraying life is no longer healthy or conducive to me being happy and fulfilled. So Mm -hmm. I got to own that. When you own it, you're empowered to change it. Um, For me personally, I remember visiting my father back at home when I was really going through kind of the midst of this journey and doing a lot of really serious, deep work. Um, I remember seeing my father, and my father is like the traditional masculine man. Um, Not not toxic where he was just like his behavior. He was a great father, but very stoic, very strong, very, you know, hard-nosed, and there was no emotions, no sign of weakness. Like, Mm -hmm. that was my father. I grew up on a ranch. I grew up on a ranch in Texas. My dad, he was a rancher. So, yeah. But I remember this moment when – 
when we had this moment over Christmas and it was just me and him in the kitchen and he opened up to me about something. It was the first time I've ever heard my father actually be vulnerable with me about something he was dealing with. And I remember at the time, like I, I was cutting on the cutting board and I dropped the knife because I knew I was going to cut my finger off <laughs> because I was just like, what did you just say? And he said it again. And I was just like, oh, and I realized in that moment, I was like, oh my God, my dad just opened up to me about something that he went on to say he learned from his grandfather. And at that time, I was right dab in the middle of really um, looking at these patterns that were also happening in my life and the behaviors that were also happening in my life. And I realized that, oh my God, like this went from my grandfather to my father and my father passed it down to me and he didn't even know it. And then I'm sitting right in the middle of it. And I think for me in that moment, I'm saying this because I think for me, I redefine masculinity. I completely redefine masculinity for me personally and what success actually looks like. Because for the first time in my life, I felt such a deep awareness of the purpose of my life. And the purpose of my life in that moment was to grab hold of that behavior, get to the root of it, and heal it once and for all so it never passes down to another generation of Campbell's. So it doesn't pass it down to my children and their children. And I think that's what we have to really learn. And I think as men, we are providers, we're hunters, we're gatherers. We are all these innate things that also women are too. I'm not saying just because men are them, yeah. just being women are not them as well. Um, it's not one or the other. But as that, we're going to have to start realizing that the greatest thing, the greatest masculine thing that we can do for our children, for our sons or for our daughters is really to learn how to own our pain. Mm -hmm. Because we get to either just pass the suffering on and pass the pain on, or we get to pioneer a new way of living life. And then what happens is whenever you pioneer a new way of living life from a place of wholeness and healing, Mm -hmm. your ceiling is always going to become the next generation's floor. There, oh, I like that. And so... my ceiling now, I'm going to pass the baton off to my son. Mm -hmm. And because I was willing to deal with so many of the problems that my father was unwilling to do, not because he was a bad person, just because he didn't know he wasn't aware. Right, exactly. I'm able to deal with that now. And now my son Mm -hmm. is not going my future son, my future daughter is not going to have to work through the same problems, because I'm not passing them on. And so my ceiling became their floor and they have a greater advantage to life because they have a greater level of consciousness, awareness, and understanding of who they are and why they're here. Yeah. I love that. I think that, I mean, obviously I'm not, I'm not a guy and I didn't grow up with the same like societal norms and stuff placed upon me, but I feel like the most strong thing a human being can actually do. And it's not to like put on a facade of like a manly like facade and it's not to like suppress your emotions it's to really dive into your emotions and really work through all of that and I feel like that makes I mean I would assume that like what's hardest to go through would make you the strongest Mm. and that's the hard work and I feel like there are so many men that are like opening up to this and opening up to doing the work and you're right that's going to create such a so much more of a conscious next generation because of what we pass on to our children and what we how we grow or raise our children and everything. Yeah, that was great. That was awesome. really great. Yeah. yeah. It's a complete, like, it's a radical paradigm shift, right? Exactly. It's a radical paradigm shift. And I think people just have to do the hard work of wrestling with, is the way that you see the world actually truth? Is it driven by truth? Is it driven by love? Is it driven by a higher way of living? Or is it driven by 
your personal experiences. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, our personal experience, we don't deny them, they're real. But what they've taught us to believe about life, about ourselves, about masculinity, about femininity, like whatever it is, just isn't truth. Right. It's rooted in pain. It's rooted in heartbreak. It's rooted in disappointment. It's like, have you ever heard of the refractory period? There's a, there's something in science called a refractory period. And what happens is essentially like, say you jump off or you jump off, say you, you know, jump off this call, get in your car, you drive to Whole Foods for lunch. Mm -hmm. You get to the red light and somebody cuts you off, Mm -hmm. right? You're pissed. Flip them off. You know what? Say a few choice words and you go about your day, but you're still mad and you come home and your friend is like, yo, Chris, what's going on? Like, you're like, leave me alone. I'm in a mood. Somebody just flipped me off. Somebody cut me off, whatever. Right. And you're in a mood. If you don't actually disrupt that mood, if you don't actually get in the middle of it and say, okay, I'm not going to allow this person to dictate my happiness anymore. I'm going to own this. I'm going to move on with my life and forgive that person. What -hmm. happens is your mood, if you allow it to continue to happen, is going to turn into a temperament. And that's when we be, and that's when we're like, you know, several months later, I'm like, yo, Kiersey, like, why are you so bitter? Right. You have a temperament mm-hmm. and you don't know, but your personality, your temperament now is being shaped by this one moment. And when you don't disrupt your temperament, your temperament becomes your personality. Right. So think about like this in like the grand scheme of things, not just when you're getting cut off of an inter- intersection, but whenever you were a child and something happened. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? When you're yeah, a child exactly. or something happened, now suddenly your personality is actually driven by pain. You don't actually know who you are because everything that you are is stemming from this plate of pain. Right. And so now I'm looking you look at people, you can hear them say something like, Well, don't get your hopes up, Kirsty. Like, don't get your hopes up. I don't want you to get a disappointment. Like, don't project your unresolved disappointment onto me. Your personality is shaped by the pain of things that are working out the way that you thought they were going to work out. And you've yet to go back and reconcile that moment. Right, right. That that makes complete sense. I feel like there's a lot to consider in all this because it's like you take into consideration what's going on in your own life and how you're dealing with situations. And if you're choosing to carry on that bad, those negative emotions, but also it's like you have to consider the other people that are in your life and whether or not they're projecting their pain, pain. I feel like that's like a very good, like overarching theme of this whole conversation is just unresolved pain. Mm -hmm. Lots of unresolved pain. Yeah. And the thing is, is when you have unresolved pain, a lot of what America has done or a lot of what we are taught to do, and we're taught to do it very, very well, is to channel that pain into motivation. Mm. Channel that pain into energy and right. use that pain to make something of yourself. Use that pain to show the world that you're not who they think you are, to prove the world wrong. Right. And it's exactly what I did. Yeah. And it is a great source of motivation. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that... You have to marry your pain. Right. And forever you'll be a victim to your pain unless you learn how to actually create new sources of motivation. Mm-hmm. Unless you learn how to actually be motivated by a deeper awareness, a deeper place other than your pain. And so a right. lot of people don't want to give up their pain because they build identities around their pain. It's who they are. It's the only part of, like, it's the only thing that they know. Mm-hmm. And they've done a really great job at channeling that pain into ambition. To mm-hmm. prove the world wrong. But if yeah. you're going to be really honest with yourself, there's never going to be a level of success that's good enough 
you're always going to have to reach another level of success, another level of success, another level of success. Why? Because Mm -hmm. you're looking for the part of you that's been buried by pain. Right. You're looking for it through external pursuits instead of going internally and finding it by by peeling back the layers and getting to the root of the issues and once and for all healing that root pain so that Mm -hmm. you come back in alignment with who you truly are and live from that place. Exactly. Living from a place of alignment. It's the difference between you waking up every day fighting for significance Mm -hmm. versus you waking up every day and already knowing that you are significant. Right. How would that change the way that you approach life? If you Mm -hmm. realize that I get to live in a way that I don't have to prove that Mm -hmm. I'm worthy because I know that I'm worthy. Like you really know that like that, that changes everything. Mm -hmm. I think one of, one of my biggest messages is always happiness isn't in pursuit it's something we can have now and why would we want to pursue it because we're not guaranteed like a long life you're you guaranteed maybe the next couple minutes that's about it Mm. but um instead of living from this place of pain and like feeling like you need to constantly like pursue success and get more and more and more like there is an option to be happy now and and still pursue your dreams and your goals and all of that but there is a there is the option to work through everything and be happy now Absolutely. Yeah. And make Next. no mistake. I want to live a very, I'm going to do, and I have a lot of goals to do very big things right. in my life and make a shit ton of money. I don't know mm-hmm. if I can curse, but make a lot of money. You can curse, God. <laughs> <laughs> make a lot of money in my life. And that's a goal of mine. And I'm fully planning on manifesting that goal in my life. Yeah. Um, but there's a big difference between needing those things to happen for me to be okay. Right. Versus recognizing that I'm okay if those things never happen. Yeah. And now that actually puts me in a position to go actually to, because whenever you need something, and this is what I work with my clients and I'll, yeah, I'll shut up after this, but whenever no you point. need something, <laughs> like say, I, I really need this job. Mm-hmm. I need it because my finances are in a disarray and I need this job. I need this job. I need this job. I'm not negating the fact that you definitely probably could use the extra money because mm-hmm. this job is going to provide for you. But when you're coming from a place of need, you're actually coming from a place of scarcity Mm -hmm. because you need it reinforces that you don't have it. And when you don't have it or you're coming from a place of scarcity, you're actually coming from a place of fear. If you're coming from a place of fear, you're actually repelling the very thing that you're trying to attract in your life. So what does it look like to wake up and to ground yourself? And this takes work. It takes a lot of work. This isn't just something you turn on. It takes practice. But Mm -hmm. if you have practiced your entire life, trying to be like if you have meditated on being fearful and worrying you can also meditate on being faith driven by faith and just manifesting the good in your life you you can you have the skills that you have the internal resolve to do it it's just a reshifting a shifting of your energy right so the whole point is is like what does it look like to wake up in the morning and to find what i need in my come from a place of groundness coming from a place of abundance coming from a place of wholeness and love and realizing that I get to have this job to better my life and the lives of other people versus mm-hmm. I need this job to get me out of the predicament. Because yeah. what we do is we put a very unholy, I use the word unholy, but we put a very fear-driven demand mm-hmm. on things that we want in our life to become something for us that they were never meant to become because we were supposed to discover that thing within ourselves because if we don't discover it within ourselves we're going to always be at the mercy of those things or those people in our lives 
Yeah. Just like this is the whole point of like the why healing is so incredibly important is you take back power over your life. Yes. Never exactly. again will somebody define my worth. Never again will somebody define my happiness. Never again mm-hmm. will a situation or a circumstance define anything in my life because I have to give that away now. I have to give it away because I reclaimed the power over my life. And now with my power, I can use that power to create the life I want to step into when I let go of the life I had. Right. And that's a beautiful point. It's like, it's not about you getting that job or not. Mm -hmm. I think it is. But what the real journey is, is you learning how to cultivate abundance in your life by dealing with the scarcity mindset. Because Mm -hmm. when you create abundance in your life, you reclaim your power and realize that that job isn't going to, you realize that you don't need that job. You get to have that job. And that job is going to provide you to be an opportunity to be a blessing to other people. Yeah, exactly. Totally shift in perspective. Yeah. This has been amazing. Oh my gosh, you have so much good advice. This has been really good. And I just want to say one thing. Yeah. First off, I'm just learning so much from you. So I'm just <laughs> like, I'm never trying to sit here being like, I knew all this. Like, I'm learning so much right now. But one thing that I say that people and that even I have trouble with is consistency, period, with lots of things. But consistency <laughs> is really key to like doing this kind of work because, I mean, you had years and years and years and years over a decade most likely two decades of like pain of being driven by oh creating your temperament like we talked about and everything and that was years of that being reinforced in you so it's going to take more than just a week or you know like a month like it's a lifestyle it yeah it's it's exactly it's consistency it's it's doing it every day it's but it's like choosing happiness it's choosing oh. to do the work it's choosing to make yourself to be happy and like you said, reclaiming your power. It's choosing to reclaim your power. And I that's Absolutely. beautiful. I love that so much. Cool. So then I just have a couple of questions that I ask everyone Please. that come on my podcast. You've given some amazing advice, but if there was maybe like one big piece of advice that you would give your younger self, what would it be? Oh, man. Um, if I could go back, I, the thing, I don't even know if it's advice, but the thing that I wish I could go back and I did it for the first time in my life a couple of weeks ago in a breathwork class uh-huh. and, I, and I, and I welled and I sobbed in front of everybody. <laughs> um, yeah. but I would go back and just simply tell my younger self that it wasn't your fault. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like things happen, your parents are upset, parents go through a divorce, um, you know, sibling dies, something, things happen. And because of the, the goodness in all of our hearts is so easy to take on that responsibility. Right. If I would have did this, if I would have did that, if I did do this or if I didn't do that, things might be different. Mm-hmm. Um, or if things just simply happened to you. Maybe you were sexually abused, verbally abused, emotionally abused, whatever it was, you were abused. And the thing that happens with so much of that is because of the, um, the people that are doing the abuse, it's easy to feel like if we were different, Maybe would, if I, if yeah. that would never have happened. Maybe if I was more lovable, that would never have happened. Maybe if I was better looking, that would have never have happened. Regardless of what it is, it's so easy to assume that responsibility mm-hmm. and to think that it's your fault for the things that have happened in your life, either to you or around you, to the people around you. So I think for me personally, it was it would be like it's it's not your fault. Right. It wasn't your fault. It's okay. Mm-hmm. I think a I lot think of that's people. Where, yeah, I think that's where it comes. Them. Like self compassion really comes from that place. Yeah, really. And that's why I like was so big about this breathwork class, which it's in Venice. You should totally come sometime. But, um, 
yeah, it was the first time that I felt my old adult self look at the six-year-old boy inside of me and actually give myself a hug. And I felt that hug. And I just felt my adult self look at this younger self and just say, this inner child and say, it wasn't your fault. Mm-hmm. And I felt that compassion. And it was the first time I, I've been speaking about self-compassion, self-love and self-acceptance for years. Uh, but I would say it's the first time I've actually experienced it in a very, very real way. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, was, it was transforming. Yeah, it was life transformed. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Those breathwork classes. I mean, it could, probably could have come to you in other ways, but Absolutely. those breathwork classes, they, uh, they're impactful. Yeah. They're awesome. Cool. And so the other question that I have for you is my whole podcast is about kind of hustling for the internal rather the external, external being success, fame, money, this, this, that. So what would you say that you hustle for? I hustle for depth. Ooh, okay. I, yeah, I hustle for depth and that I hustle for healing. I hustle for the, uh, the bigger story being told. Mm-hmm. The bigger narrative being told, you know, I think we can go through things in life um, and we think that it's about not getting the job. We think it's about the relationship. We think it's about being cheated on. We think it's about all of the things that are happening in the natural. But there's always a bigger story being told, a story driven by love. Um, right. And it's in that story that we actually find what we're looking for. We find the the message, the the greater, the greater, the greater narrative, the greater perspective. And that's where we really find fulfillment, happiness, purpose, mm-hmm. all the things that we long for. So I think I hustle for depth. Very cool. I the love higher, that. The higher truth. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Very cool. So thank you for coming on. Thank Thanks you for, for shedding so much wisdom and so much sage advice. So can you tell people uh, how they can find you and how they can follow along with you? Yeah, of course. So you can find me on Instagram at mm-hmm. Caleb underscore Campbell. So Campbell's just like Campbell soup. Um, and then my website is just Caleb me. Okay, cool. And of course, I'll have that all in the show yeah, notes thank you. as usual. And I'm so curious, what are all this? So we're Skyping right now. And I can see that Caleb has a bunch of sticky notes oh. behind him on the wall. <laughs> so uh, this are- is my book. So what it what I mean, like, I don't know if you can. So it's broken like, down. Yeah, so it's broken down. Yeah, so it's broken down my chapters on my wall, okay. and I put them on note cards. My writing coach, Allison Fallon, gave me this idea. We did it together. Awesome. And so this kind of is the narrative framework of my book. And what's so great about putting it on note cards is I can like, oh, this doesn't belong in chapter 11. Let me pick it up and move it to chapter four. Oh, cool. And then okay. I have like kind of a stream of consciousness, a stream of thoughts that kind of just work me down my chapters. Very cool. That's so just, uh, that's awesome. So your, your writing coach helped you like kind of – come up with that yeah, system. So something that she teaches. Um, so she's helped me with that. And it's just like a good reminder when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, Oh shit, I got to write. Uh, right. That's <laughs> which hard. I have ignored for a very long time. Exactly. That whole thing is hard to, hard to ignore. It's like, <laughs> what's going to be like the over, I mean, I assume it's what we've talked about, but is your book going to be about all of this? Yeah, it really is. It's, um, yeah. you know, some, People, because of my story, because of I went from West Point, an army officer, I went to the NFL, I bobsledded for the Olympic team. And then, like, you know, people look at me at one point and they basically said, You are kind of the definition of American masculinity mm-hmm. as West Point grad, army officer, NFL player, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. I, I redefined my life by what the way up is the way down. Mm hmm. Right? Okay. Yeah. So 
I redefine my life not by doing more, trying harder, achieving more, getting bigger, getting faster, or getting stronger. Right. I redefine my life by letting it all go mm-hmm. and yeah. really going through the process of discovering who I am, who I really am as a person and reconnecting with that source mm-hmm. um, and living from that place instead of hustling for that place, even though exactly. it's been with me the entire time. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. I'm so curious. So you just like mentioned very casually, you were on the bobsledding team for a little <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, um, my story with the NFL was really weird because of my involvement with the U S military. Uh, so there was a two and a half year period where I couldn't play in the NFL and I had to serve in the military. But when you're serving in the military, the Olympics actually have a policy that enables you to be in the military and compete in the Olympics or on an Olympic team. And wow. so when I was at West Point for six months, almost a year, actually, I would go up to Lake Placid where I made the bobsled team. So where's, where's West Point? It's in New York. So it's outside of New York okay. City. Okay. Yep. And so I went, I would go up to Lake Placid and live at Lake Placid for an extended period of times and compete with the Olympic bobsledding team. Wow. I know. So random. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so random. I, I must have missed that part when I was stalking you online. Yeah. To <laughs> All good. Okay. Wow, very cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And I can't wait for everyone to hear this. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good one. This is good. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Wellness Hustle Podcast. If you want to, you can follow along with me on Instagram. My handle is at wanderwithkirsty, W-A-N-D-E-R with K-I-R-S-T-I-E. Shoot me a DM. Let me know what you like. Let me know what you didn't like. Let me know what you want to hear. It's better than just you listening to my voice all the time. I do want to actually get to know and talk with you guys. Also, if you're listening to this on iTunes, please, please leave me a review. I want to hear what you think, and it really helps other people that want to find my podcast be able to search for it. So until next week, guys, remember, keep choosing yourself, keep hustling for yourself, because in the end, you really do deserve it.